Thanks, Charles, for letting me use your garden supplies. I'll make sure I put it back in the garage. Man, tending to that lawn is a lot of work. Tell you the truth, Jim, I'm more concerned about keeping this house. What's going on? Well, you know, Sarah lost her job two months ago, right? Yeah. Since we lost that income, the bills have been piling up, and we're so far behind. I don't want to lose the house because of back taxes. I don't know what to do. I understand. The same thing happened to my sister and her husband when he lost his job. Do you know that the Wayne County Treasurer has plans and programs to help people stay in their homes? No, I didn't. Tell me about it. Yeah. Go to www.treasure.waynecounty.com to see if you qualify. Say that again. www.treasure.waynecounty.com Got it. Remember, they're here to help. We're here welcome to welcome to another edition of the week that was i am nancy derringer and i am filling in for saeed who is i believe currently involved in that scourge of white collar life a staff meeting and uh it was he was not able to to skip it so i guess i'm going to be running the show unless i pass out from uh whatever uh, and so I welcome you to uh, to this edition. Let's go around the panel and and uh, talk to our usual folks. Um, we have today to my well to my uh, to my left, but to the screen right is a labor and community activist Barbara Ingalls, our usual troika of uh, lawyers: Steve Fisherman, Joel Sklar, and Bill Sykley. We have pollster Ed Sarpolis phoning in from Lansing. And uh, down at the bottom, with the whole world balancing on his his uh, narrow shoulders, we have Deadline Detroit co-founder um, Alan Lingle. And as usual, as it's been for the past several years, it has been an action-packed week. Just once, I want to come on the show and say, you know what? It was kind of boring. Let's knock off after 20 <laughs> minutes. But that never happens. So, so shall we start with what is probably the biggest news for cable news this week? which was, of course, the New Hampshire primary, which was a very unnewsy primary in the sense that everything happened exactly the way um, it was probably foreordained to happen. Bill, um, what's his face? Donald John Trump, former president, uh, swept, the, uh, um, swept the, the primary. He uh, got, he inspired uh, Governor DeSantis to, Ron DeSantis, to uh, drop out of the race, which just leaves Nikki Haley. And I don't know. Why don't we start with the politics guy, Ed? What, what was your take on all of this? One, Biden got more votes than Donald Trump. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> because he was a write-in he, candidate. He, he was, was a write-in write candidate. He was, well, the bottom line is the percentage was large. And number two, Republicans did not turn out in the numbers that they expected. Okay. Ah, okay. <laughs> and also, in fact, Haley did better than was planned. And it's a growing trend across the country. We saw that more in Pennsylvania, the poll I released late last week that Ellen published, is that you're seeing the soft belly of Donald Trump, okay, because the fact that she got up to 40, 46%, you know, within, he got over 50, 54, but that's not the number he should be at. Because typically with his, his name recognition and background and support of his base, 
tells you that that soft support independence, uh, that's one reason why Haley's, uh, Nikki Haley is getting money. Because right now, the Koch brothers still have $100 million to spend against Trump that they raised prior to the primary thing. So the reason Haley's still in because the Koch brothers says you stay in until we tell you you're done. Really? Interesting. Yes. You know that's that take has uh, has started to come out since Tuesday. Um, that this is you know for all of this talk about Trump <clears throat> sweeping sweeping the field and you know knocking out Vivek, what's his face, and knocking out uh, DeSantis and Haley hanging on. It really doesn't mean all that much because there is still a huge, huge, huge general uh, election uh, disapproval or among general election voters disapproval of Trump and even in his own party, which I think is reflected by that. Um, Steve. I have a question for Ed. Uh, It seems to me, and this is not as a pollster or any real political person, just reading, he's going crazier and crazier, it seems to me. His statements are crazier and crazier, Um, not just about Nikki Haley. He said some really awful things about her. I, I don't have any use for her, but my God. The way he talked about her, yeah. Um, are you seeing anything in there that, or in anybody's polls, that the the crazier that he gets, the more people he tends to offend, and more people he gets to thinking, wait a minute, we can't have this guy again. Well, uh, let me let me basically, when I did the Republican primary here in Michigan, uh, you know, he doesn't have the number lockup that you would expect. Okay, uh, he's bottom line is Donald Trump. Only 18% of his vote goes to undecided among straight Republicans in a statewide poll. 90% of Biden votes votes for him on the Democratic side. There is that softness. And number two, uh, he is so much under, from a psychological point, from my psychology background, he's so much, so much pressure on him now. He cannot afford to have anybody say anything negative about him because his mind can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Especially, he does not like women. He usually uses them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so now he's a woman that's dominating his field. And that's what gets them. And so the bottom line, this is an oral erosion. And you got to remember, Donald Trump owns the Republican Party nationally over $100 million that he borrowed last cycle. And so they're not really happy with him. And so the fact that that's what's what I'm saying is there's a lot of money people who really want to hurt him. But, but you know, it, it, here's my difficulty with this. This all runs contrary to what we're seeing with all these Republicans who, who you wonder if they really like them and really support them, falling into line and endorsing them and supporting the, the traditional, quote, Republican Party. I'm not sure that what that is anymore. Have, have all fallen in line. I mean, God, the RNC has become so anti-democratic, uh, declaring Trump the presumptive victor. Right. They want Yeah. The, the RNC members, now they're trying to make a distinction that Rona Romney, McDaniel, was not the one who proposed this, but they wanted to name her, just declare her the presumptive uh, candidate. And Trump said, no, it's not good for unity here. But we, when we talk about sucking up to Trump, we have a little video here. Yeah, somehow there's always a gullible new Republican who comes along thinking things will be different for them, like South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who seems desperate to be Trump's next VP. Scott publicly sucked up to Trump at Trump's victory speech in New Hampshire on Tuesday when Trump asked him about Haley, who as governor of South Carolina appointed Scott to the Senate. Did you ever think that she actually appointed you, Tim? And... Think of it, 
appointed and you're the senator of his state and she endorsed me. You must really hate her. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh oh. I just love you. No, that's <laughs> Oof. two things that in there. Is... One, one he says she endorsed me, which is wrong. But the other one is you notice it's like he's standing there. He's like, oh my god, a black man. He like freaks <laughs> out. Like he stands back, goes, oh my god. That is the definition of cringe. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's something that when when these when these uh, Republicans kind of roll on their belt, you know, roll at the feet of this uh, of this ogre. It's just like, ooh, it's just, I mean, it's like, it's like biting into aluminum foil. It's, it's awful. But that video showed some interesting things. First of all, you had Trump holding up his hand, which is really small. It's just, you know, interesting. And at one point he turns and you can kind of see the seam in his hair. And, you know, it's just, ooh. And, and oh, and also he knows, I, I believe he has uh, upgraded his bronzer to a shade known as Chernobyl. And it's like this, I mean, he really looks, he, and, and as Ed said, he sounds crazier. And no, Steve said he sounds crazier and crazier these days. And, and I think I, I think he does sound crazier. But to take it away from Trump for a moment, God forbid that we shouldn't talk about him. You know, this is I don't have much use for Scott. I, I just don't. He's he's very conservative, but he is a. He is not this kind of individual. He's not the kind of politician who goes after somebody else, who talks about hating somebody else. I think that that comment by Trump made Scott very uncomfortable, which is why I think he stepped forward. And I think he didn't know what else to say. Donald Trump is used to using people that way. And that's why he did it. And I suppose we all saw that uh, Tim Scott is now officially engaged to his Canadian girlfriend, which is <laughs> just <laughs> which ca- uh, caused I think Dan Savage to uh, tweet what he's really committing to the bit. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she's a bot. She's a Russian bot. Yeah, <laughs> she's, a, she's a pretty lady. But I mean, he put, he tweets this picture of him on one knee at on the beach, you know, offering her the ring, which is. You know, right there, it's like they're they're seemingly alone on this beach. And of course, as somebody who's worked with photographers for my entire career, I'm like, so they were just this photographer just happened to be trailing along, and oh, she's so surprised. But anyway, so um, anything else? Any, anything else about New Hampshire? Um, I've, I'm finding these early primaries to be incredibly uh, depressing and anticlimactic. I mean, we know how they're going to end. But some of the things that I have read coming out of the mouths of real American voters, it's just talk about cringe. It's just it's it makes you it makes you worry about the future of the country. You know, well, Ed, one, Ed, Ed, what uh, do you, you, Ed and I were talking earlier about Nikki Haley staying in the in the race. And no matter what happens, she's a winner out of this. Is that how you still see that? Oh, I think Ed? you're on uh, mute. Maybe no. Uh, ba- basically, what's going on is Haley's got to look for her future. Okay, the Koch brothers wouldn't be keep funding her despite what's going on because she's looking in four years. She starts building name recognition, builds a base. Remember, Debbie Stabenow did the same thing in 1994. She ran and she knew where she was going to lose for governor against Wolpe. Okay, she was preparing for 2000 when she was looking for Congress and then ended up running in Senate. Haley's in a great position. 
You know, so it's to her success that as long as she doesn't go crazy, goes moderate or liberal, it's good for her. Mm-hmm. And the other and question I have, what is what is up on Fox News? They're always talking about Michelle Obama. She has said she has absolutely no interest in running. What do you what do you make of that? What are they saying about her? They're yeah, saying, gonna, oh, she's going to run. Yeah, she's going to run. They're preparing. They're Obama's. Dear, dear. Oh, God. It's blood for the base, man. It's just not only that, it's racial politics. They're, they're off. Most of their washers are so conservative and a little, little bit racist. You know, the fact that you push it, Obama gets them all fueled up. Okay. Yeah. This is it's the whole just, it's, it's like uh, it's rage bait for the chuds, basically. Yes. I mean, no one has been more outspoken about having no interest in the in politics in general, absolutely positively not wanting to go back to the White House, that the White House was a difficult job for her than Michelle Obama. I mean, she's she's been very outspoken. But, you know, I think her husband, uh, the former president, wished her a happy birthday the other day and posted a very attractive photograph of her. And, you know, within uh, 10 or 12 replies, uh, the the chuds were coming out, you know, with yeah. the usual bullshit. So that it must still be a uh, stinky rage bait for them. So Charles, they, hate Charles. So they, they hate, they hate Michelle Obama so much because she's brilliant, because she's beautiful, because she is black and they call her a man. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the big thing with them. And they call her Michael Obama. Right. And, yeah. and, and there's no, you know, the, the, the right wing media just is all of this stuff. It's, it's the same thing as the immigration stuff. They just they push it as hard as they can. They get these, these simpletons so upset that they can't even think straight. And that's how you hear. Yeah. So think about this. Think about this. All yesterday and this morning, Fox is showing about how bad the economy is. You got to read into the numbers. Okay? The numbers are what you're seeing are not real. Okay, let's go down here to page one where the lady who has a farm in the middle of downtown Detroit is not doing well. Okay, I mean they're looking for something negative, even despite you know it's all negative. Interest rates are falling. Our retirement nest egg is growing. Uh, you know, unemployment is is falling off the bottom of the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the economy grew better than expected in the October to November. I mean, I don't know what these people are talking about. But, it, but I think that that's a great question for Ed. Ed, you know why? Given the economy, because, you know, I, I do think that Clinton was right. It's the economy, stupid. Um, why is, is Biden polling so badly? I mean, does the age trump the economy issue? Uh, what's happening here is is that you're starting to see the U of M index is starting to go up. Okay, uh, what you're finding is is that the numbers are going up amongst those who don't go to McDonald's. <laughs> okay, it's forty dollars to take your family out for two. Sometimes, I mean, you buy a burger thing, it's like twelve, fifteen bucks. So some of the day to day stuff is not going down, but the numbers are improving for Biden. You saw that in Pennsylvania with his boost there. I'm seeing that movement in, in Michigan, the movement there. It's the under 35 crowd that's really hurting Biden right now. Yeah. Okay, that's the group that's moving. But if you look, the older that the voter gets, the better it's looking for for Biden. The younger, it's worse because you still got inflation. And even amongst Republicans, it's still immigration is their number one issue. Okay. Their only issue. I don't want. I don't want to pivot to the uh, to the war in uh, Gaza, but that is a huge factor for younger people. I mean, I see that among my uh, my daughter and her friends. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. up in arms over that. But you know, like I said, go ahead, Alan. Not going away. 
Get your finger up. Uh, okay, I forgot what I was going to say, but I do remember what I was going to say about Charles Barkley. Speaking of on. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charles Barkley the other night said, he was talking about, you know, they, they said, weren't you going to run for president one day? And he said, yeah. He says, but if I won, he says, I would change the name of that White House. <laughs> <laughs> what a funny guy. So, okay, so before we leave uh, Trump in the dust here, um, I want to talk about something that Saeed had picked out uh, for this week, which is the um, State Senator Ileana Garcia, a Miami, guess what, Republican, yes, um, who's a big Trump fan, has filed a bill for this le- year's legislative session that could allow the state to hand out up to $5 million to Donald Trump to pay for his legal defense. Um, now, I think on this show a few, um, maybe a year or so ago, I said that we needed to have a moratorium on any story that starts with a bill newly introduced in Florida because, <laughs> you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that anything's going to happen. Cue the but cloud it, music. It shows, it shows how you know, the cringe, the grovel, the rolling at the feet of the dictator, uh, how far these people are willing to go, that they're willing to introduce a bill to say, we're going to, the state of Florida is going to contribute $5 million to Donald Trump's legal defense. Using tax dollars, you know, that that are paid by both Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, exactly. I I don't like saying anything nice. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't like saying anything yeah, yeah. nice about Ron DeSantis, but he said he would veto it if it came. <laughs> that was before he dropped out. That's true. But Ron, don't cry. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because you need practice smiling. <laughs> I don't understand why Americans didn't rally behind a guy who declared war on the Magic Kingdom, attacked trans kids, denied COVID, kidnapped migrants and flew them to Martha's Vineyard and ate pudding with his fingers. <laughs> Before we say goodbye to Ron DeSantis, and I think we're going to be saying goodbye to Ron DeSantis for quite some time, we do kind of need to acknowledge how utterly weird that guy was. And, you know, it isn't just the eating pudding with three fingers. It's also, I mean, it's almost like he was... Um, the the movie Men in Black, it's you know you have to think about how the aliens would come yep. down and they would put on human suits, but they never fit quite right, and they were always kind of like itching in their human suits. That's kind of what he reminds me of. His laughing was even worse than his trying to smile. Yeah, ha ha ha. So, so Steve, I, I, I thought that it, it's a good example, and again, this is stuff that Ed does uh, on a daily basis. It's a good example of the difference between being the governor of a state of one state where you've sold whatever bullshit you've been selling and they accept it in that state. When you get on a national stage, it seems to me, and it's not just necessarily a politician, any, anybody that goes from a little small area onto the national stage, there's a lot more people following them around. There are a lot more people with a lot more information about them. And I wonder if that's, isn't that basically who, whoever believed who knew the guy who saw his personality, who, who was it? Why would anybody have given him the kind of money that they gave him <laughs> unless they believed that somehow a national stage would be the same as running for governor in Florida? I know. <laughs> he set $130 million on fire in the course of this wow. of this campaign. He, well, he, this wins, co- he wins the Rudy Giuliani Award. <laughs> <laughs> Obligatory picture now. Got to pick up with 
<laughs> One thing I could share with you how important that is. That John Engler was of the same note when they were going to run him for president. Right. But what happened was when they were about ready to announce that he was going to be part of the team to run for president, they did focus groups. People thought he was so ugly that there's no way. There really? Was, yes. Oh. Huh. There's also, this has been discussed very much, but there's also the Casey DeSantis factor. Casey DeSantis being, of course, Mrs. DeSantis, who is so nakedly ambitious and... Uh, naked? Where was the naked part? I didn't see any. <laughs> He's a nakedly <laughs> ambitious. It's an adjective. Different kinds of information in growth <laughs> no, she, uh, she is was so set on becoming first lady I mean, it affected the way she dressed. It affected the way she did her hair. I mean, she thought herself she was Jackie Kennedy II, and it showed in every... And apparently one of the reasons that they they spent so much money on this campaign was that she refused to fly commercial. She does not fly commercial anymore. She it's right. So it's private planes, private jets, the PJs, as they say in succession. And it's just, you know, there you go. So she was a real Lady Macbeth. Well, Nancy, did he? Did she pick out uh, uh, DeSantis's boots? Oh, I think she probably had to have something to hide the lifts. Yeah, that was that was very strange too. I, you know, what is it with guys? Look, I've known short men and tall men and all in between, and it has never been like a disqualifying factor for finding somebody attractive. Go ahead, Steve. I don't know that. <laughs> Attractive or not attractive, what shocked me about this obsession that they seem to have with his height, this is a guy who was captain of his college baseball team. He was a college D1 athlete. I mean, what's the big deal? You know, I don't walk around. I wasn't the captain of the basketball team, but I certainly don't walk around with lifts in my shoes because I'm concerned that somebody's going to think I'm, what, less than a man or something like that. I mean, the guy played <laughs> baseball at, at a D1 school. You just tell everybody to go fuck themselves if you don't like how you know, here, throw me a curveball, see if I can hit it. I, mean, I just don't understand it. I really don't. That's very true. I had a guy like Trump who boasts that he was, you know, some whatever that shitty school he went to, and he sat on the bench or something, and he pretends he's an athlete. Here's a guy who actually was one, and he's worried about how tall he is. <laughs> Calvin Murphy, better watch out, right? Guy, he's only five ten, and I average thirty nine a game. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in the part of a hypermascula, you know, masculinity. The Republican Party, big ape. Isn't that really what this is? He's just a big the day. That's what Trump is. He's a big lumbering oompa loompa. Yeah. And, uh, so, so being short, being, tiny. right? It, you know, is is an offense, right? Uh, other than being the prototypical alpha male, and that's what you know, Trump <laughs> tries to portray himself as. Is, you know, and, the alpha male who knows everything can only fix everything. So it's just this bullshit overcompensation for their fear of of, of not being masculine and the fear of the. You know, it's just it, it it's a pathology that just continues to surprise me. And isn't that Alan, refresh my memory on this. Isn't that something that Charlie the Duff told us, or maybe he even wrote it in one of his comments the deadline, that the reason that Trump would not endorse James Craig, the governor of Michigan, when uh, during the last election is because he thought he was too short? Oh, I don't yeah. remember that. I, I think actually one of the reasons was that he wouldn't back the uh, false narrative on, on the elections. He, he you know. James, James Craig wouldn't do that? James Craig would not, yeah. Oh, that's kind of surprising because he yeah, seems to be willing I, to say anything else. Right. Speaking of which, I was in Florida last week, and uh, on the last day I was there, we were in Miami Beach for most of it, um, I took the Brightline train, the higher speed rail, um, up to West Palm Beach and spent the day with a former colleague of mine who 
worked as a journalist and she's retired now, but she worked as a journalist in West Palm uh, during the, uh, uh, the Trump administration. And, uh, and it was the day after Melania's mother's funeral. So we were kind of marveling over some of the photographs that have been taken that day. Speaking of height, uh, Baron Trump, his Baron. son, is now like eight feet tall. I mean, he's, he towers over his father. Yeah. I think he's something like six, eight six, now, yeah. which is he's just giant. He's and he's very handsome. I mean, you know, I hate to say it because he comes from that line, but he's a really good looking kid. And um, but he's I don't know. He's kind of you never see him both, though. I've never seen the kid smile. Never yeah, he is. I mean, uh, your father was Donald J. Trump, Joe. Would you smile? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never seen him smile or behave like a regular kid. Let me put it this way: there's kind of a blunted aspect. I'll just put it that way. And, yeah, um, that's a little bit. I mean, if I were a parent, that's concerning. If you have a blunted aspect, that's not a great thing. And, mm-hmm. the, and he seems to have a blunted aspect. Um, but he's a huge kid. I hope he's playing ball. Uh, you know, I hate to waste that that height. But uh, you know, there's, there's just you know of the the other. Children of presidents, we've heard, we've seen playing. We, you know, there's there's some nice photos. This kid's always very behind the seat a little bit and very timid, and um, just no emotion. You don't see any I, anything there. I, well, I would, just, I would assume, this, I would assume that it's because of his mother. You got to remember, he doesn't get to see his kid that often. Remember, Mel, Mel, remember about five years ago, the the. Well, had to actually renegotiate the contract or prenups would include her son. Right. Right. Okay. So th- there's not much love between the mom and the dad, and the son's got to see it. Yeah. And, oh, and he's very prote- he's very protective of the mom. Yeah, I think so too. I, I would, would not be. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little if he's on the spectrum. Although you know that's a not something yeah. you should speculate about. But there's there's something about I I agree the same thing. Even when he was a younger boy, like the the inauguration. He walked in that whole inaugural parade and just never his expression. blank expression. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of a singular experience. Go ahead, Barbara. I, I wanted to ask you. Therapy was a big issue. One aspect was like, whoa, it was a big red flag. Yeah. So. Did you like the Bright Line train? Yes, very much. I, took I couldn't believe I was taking like- this train in Ron DeSantis's Florida. You know, I mean, it was beautiful, clean. <laughs> Um, convenient. I mean, I was in, I went from Miami to West Palm Beach in an hour and 12 minutes. And I mean, uncomfortable was, and, and yes. very, I did, I took the same one in the, in the spring this year and it's like, why aren't there trains like this everywhere? And I, I think I, I noticed as I was, you know, just taking note of my fellow passengers, a lot of Europeans on that train. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, they're used to this kind of rail travel in yeah. Europe. And I think these yeah. folks were, going from like Miami to Disney because that's where it terminates now the line at, yeah. in Orlando. It's about three hours, a little over three hours, which is great time for that kind of thing. So I anyway. took the other one um, from Miami up to West Palm a week before that. And it was, it was okay, but it was not anything like the bright line Yeah, that, coming back. That was, we, we, that's my plug for train travel. Thank you. My 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 friend who the journalist there said that they apparently they squirt something, some kind of aroma in the air in the <laughs> in the stations. It smells vaguely citrusy. So you know yes. it's, it's it's part of the sensory. You do that in Germany too. Yeah. Sorry, Alan. Or to make a reference back to Baron uh, Trump is that he probably has grown up with his mother constantly saying. 
your father's an asshole. Uh, <laughs> and, and hearing her on the phone saying, no, <laughs> fuck Fuck you. No, and she's so, and, and she's probably saying it in Slovenian so that he can't hear it. So they probably right. like three of them are sitting at a table together. It's like look at fat ass over there trying to <laughs> trying to dip in his well done steak into the ketchup. So <laughs> all right, let's move on. Uh let's see. What else did Saeed have here? Oh, well, let's come back to uh Southeast Michigan. The Jennifer Crumbly trial is going on this week. And as as always, I appreciate the uh, point of view of you uh, of you lawyers on this. Um, based on what happened the first day, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not feeling that. I, I think she's probably going to go down. But uh, what do you guys think? Steve, you're the most. I'm, I'm interested in Steve's opinion first. I mean, he's the the the, uh, the criminal, criminal defense guy. Criminal lawyers, come on. Man. There 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 are a few things that were noteworthy. The, the most noteworthy to me was the fact that Shannon decided to get up and tell the jury that the client's going to testify for sure. Um, I had drinks with a couple of pretty solid lawyers yesterday, and we all agreed that there's a lot of ways to do it, but you don't say it like that. What you say is, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to hear such and such. You're going to hear such and such. You're going to hear such and such. I don't think in however many zillion trials I've had, I've ever guaranteed that the defendant's going to testify. The reason for that is, although in this case, it seems that I could see her having to testify to try to explain some of the, the innuendo, basically, that's being put out there. The reason for it is that if you testify, when the defendant testifies, whether it's a police officer or a mother like her, a dope dealer, whoever it is, the entire focus of the jury shifts. And everything that's been going on ahead of time, where you think you may have been made, making progress, getting reasonable doubt out of other witnesses, everything turns to what's this defendant going to say? That's the first thing that I noticed in the trial. The second thing I don't follow it, and you guys know I don't watch television. I did read in the paper they had a summary of the jurors in, in terms of the, the female, male, age, and I could not believe how many fucking people have guns and go to shooting ranges and do all this other shit. And everybody's talking about, like what Nancy just said, oh, she's going to go down. Personally, I've said from the beginning, I don't think that she can win, and I don't think she'll lose because I just have a hard time finding – that all of these gun nuts that are all on this jury, there's going to be some who are going to say, wait a minute, I've got a gun and blah, 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 blah. Or they're going to say, look, how much can parents be responsible for? Blah, blah, blah. This is criminal charge we're talking about. Not the neglect, not taking the kid away. So those were the two things that I was astounded by the number of people that own guns that are on the jury. I'm curious about that, Steve. Uh, You know, I've, Jury selection is a is a difficult thing, and people make all kinds of assumptions. When I try cases, I do mock juries all the time because I found that, candidly, I was often wrong about the the kinds of people that I would want on a jury. Um, I, when I did the Pew trial, I mocked that four times, and I found out that the absolute worst uh, worst jurors were black uh, older women. Surprised me. I would have thought that was wrong. And why was that? What? Why was? What was? They what? tended to be fairly homophobic. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, huh. but, but one of the things that I've learned in my trials is you don't want people on a jury that are too much like your client. For example, I used to try a lot of press cases where people would get limbs stuck in a in a press machine in the auto factories, and not newspapers. Thank people, you. Yeah. <laughs> People would, I've done a couple of those. 
people, uh, you know, if you got people who ran those machines on the jury, they would always say, I would never do that. They were lying to themselves because, in fact, there's not a guy who's a person, man or woman, who's ever run a press who didn't try to swipe a piece out of the press or do something that wasn't all that safe. But they convinced themselves they would never do that. So these people who own guns, I'm convinced, though I know it's not true, that they would say, oh, I'd always lock my gun. My kid would never have access to my guns. So I think that's a little dangerous. I tend to think, and I don't know these women who are defending these these two parents, but I think they may be a little out of their league in terms of this trial. I, I, I couldn't believe that they said that uh, she would testify. I couldn't believe this jury, uh, that the jury that they picked. I have a feeling the prosecution's not all that upset about it. But in the it, it, and in terms of her testifying. I was involved in the trials. I don't know how much of this has become public and how much isn't public, but I was in depositions with school board members. So I've seen some of this evidence that they're going to use to cross-examine her. I would struggle on a decision on whether to put her on the witness stand. Huh. Just one other thing. When you don't. make a promise to a jury, you better fucking fulfill it. Oh, yeah. She's got to go on the witness stand. Right. She's got to go now. I agree. If you, if, if you lose your credibility and you tell a jury, you know, this is this is why you're giving your opening. You're telling, here's what the evidence is going to show. Here's what we're going to do. And if you make those promises, especially this promise with the focus on the mother, you better come through. And if for some reason you think, my God, that was a god-awful decision we made. Maybe the prosecution isn't quite as old as we thought. You're screwed because you hmm. made a god-awful, you made a promise that you're never going to fulfill. And, and yeah. uh, so they got to put her on the stand. And I think, you're, you know, she doesn't seem like like a likable woman, doesn't seem like a nice person. Um, people are going to hate her. She <laughs> she's she strikes me as a pit, pitiful person at the moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's, I think, you know, she's gained a great deal of weight in in county lockup. She's um, she's her hair, you know, has got four inches of gray roots that are growing out. They apparently wouldn't let her, you know, get her hair did. And it, it's, I mean, who knows if anybody's even going to notice that. But, um, you know, Lengel, you and I have been talking about this case for a while. And um, you speculated that if she is found guilty, she will most likely get time served. I mean, she's been in jail for two years now, right? Two and a half. I mean, do you still think that's likely? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, since she's gone to trial, I don't, I don't know. But I can't imagine she'll get a lot more than that but i i was going to ask the i'm i was going to ask the attorneys are you surprised that it's gone to trial and they haven't been able to work out a plea agreement on on these Steve? cases I, I i'm astounded that they haven't been when you've sat in the county jail for two years which is the equivalent of doing four years if you're in a regular institution where you can go out right. and do things right. um, i don't know i i can't believe that the defense lawyers haven't attempted to make a deal and the only thing i can figure and this is a terrible thing to say if it's true, that maybe that Karen McDonald wants this case to be out here in the public eye and on television every day and having the entire, even the national news. I'm in the gym. I'm on CNN. It was yeah. on MSNBC. Yeah. It was yeah. on. That's the only thing I can figure because I think what Lengel's saying is true. I think she was correct to charge. I'm glad to see that so parents can recognize they may be held responsible for the crazy shit they do with guns and their kids. But this case should have been resolved. There's no reason for this case to be in trial, in my view. 
particularly after two years sitting in the county jail. Well, I, I agree with Steve. Um, I will tell you that the pressure from the parents in Oxford, not just the victim's parents, but all the parents in Oxford, for this case to actually go to trial is uh, is amazing to me. I mean, they, they put a lot of pressure on the prosecutor's office. That's number one. Number two, I wanted to ask Steve if I could a, a, a question. It's my memory, and I, want, I don't want to admit how long ago I was in law school and how little criminal work I've really done in my career, but it, it, is there any criminal prosecution without some affirmative act? In other words, negligent homicide or whatever she's been charged with, can you do that without some affirmative act? And if so, what's her affirmative act? Is it the taking him to the gun range? She's No, it has nothing to do with taking him to the gun range or anything else. The charge of involuntary manslaughter, I've defended a number of cases of involuntary manslaughter. If you read the jury instruction, the third part that you can be found guilty of involuntary manslaughter if you are grossly negligent in da -da -da -da, doing something. They're charging her, I presume. I'm not up next to this case all the time. The gross negligence is all the stuff that they didn't do or that they did do to put him <laughs> in the position that he was in, including, remember, the day of the incident. They're summoned to the, and it was very difficult to get them there, number one. And number two, when they, they refused to take them home, they, they, yeah. that just refused to take them home. Like, can we get out of here, please? They were there like 10 or 11 minutes, something like that. So the, the, no, there's no requirement for an affirmative act. The requirement is that they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that it's gross negligence resulting in the death. I mean, in this case, it's because of the, the horror of what the kid wound up doing, the number of people that were killed, the number of people that were shot. But that what they have to show is gross negligence, and that's what's going to be the issue. Well, I, I, this was a little bit of a setup, Steve, because that's what I thought you were going to say. And it, given that, I'm I'm fairly amazed that they didn't consider seriously consider charging any of these school people, it, because some of these some of the people in the school certainly, in my opinion, met that criteria at least yeah. to get enough I to get charged. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, during the argument yesterday, they were saying they called the mother down to look at this picture, a drawing that the son had made of a gun and people dead. And the school should have said at that point, you know, the mother said she was there 11 minutes. I got to go. Uh, the school should have said, no, you got to take your son home and he's not going to stay in the school. Uh, I So I agree with Bill on that, that there should have been a broader uh, range of people charged but, with neg negligence. But the, but the question is, remember, if you're talking about gross negligence, if they would have tried to charge the people that met with the kid or the people who summoned the parents, you're talking about a very short period of time. I mean, it's easy for people to say, oh, they should have done this, they should have done that, they should have done this. The gross negligence that they're charging the parents with was had occurred over a lengthy period of time, including the day of, including the day before. You know, these are criminal charges. You can't sit there and just say, oh, Let's just bring in everybody. Well, I'll charge him a civil lawsuit, which I guess was tossed out on immunity grounds. Then you charge you, you charge you you whatever the right word is. Your name as defendants, right. all these people, which is fine for a civil lawsuit. Burden of proof is different, and it's a civil case. It's only damages that you're talking. About. Which raises a great point, Steve, because one of the other issues we need we should talk about is whether or not. Uh, the child will be brought in to testify. I think the answer to that is no, if his defense attorney has any common sense, because 
he's up on appeal and he's got his own Fifth Amendment rights. Uh, and if they would have charged these school people, I think the testimony in this case would have been significantly different. Um, and and you would have had a lot of trouble getting the the uh, school people to come forward. Quick, quick question. I heard this morning the fact is that the judge turned down the son's ability to testify. I hadn't heard that yet, but he, 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 was, turn, he was turned down because the judge said he can only answer one question, and that is his name. All the rest he'd have to say Fifth Amendment. So no, whoa, 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 whoa. He could wave it. He could wave it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Ed, because I say I. That's what I heard this morning on the news. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, just because you heard it on the news, we all kind of know you heard it on the news. It's got a, what, a 30% chance of being accurate? <laughs> Actually, it was Alan, Alan Lingle. I heard him on the radio. So, well, then he's 25%. <laughs> all of this, this is another reason why this case never should have gone to trial. It should have been resolved. Why? Because every time Dick and Harry is giving his or her asshole opinion about things, they don't have a clue of what they're talking about. The kid, no judge can keep the kid from testifying, claiming the judge claiming he has a Fifth Amendment right. That's between him and his lawyer. If they come in, what a judge can do, and many judges do do, good judges in particular, they make the lawyer and the prospective witness say, Look, I understand that this could have Fifth Amendment problems, but I want to testify. And once the person says that, the judge can't invoke the person's Fifth Amendment, right? That's ridiculous. Hmm. So I don't know. But, the, but the, his attorney, Nathan's attorney, has come out and said that he opposes. Right. That's the end of it. That's the end of it. I'm going to take the fifth. Nobody can be forced. To, yeah, everybody forgets this. You cannot force people to testify unless you give them immunity. You want to give them immunity for the murders that he just got sentenced to life? <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of of saying his name, um, as as a media person, I noticed today in I only read the Detroit news stories and I've been following the live blog kind of intermittently. They're actually in the courtroom blogging, live blogging this trial. Um, they are going to extraordinary lengths not to use Ethan Crumbly's name. Um, he's identified once at the top of the story and throughout is called the shooter. And that's, Steve, that's interesting to me. I mean, because that's something that we hear a lot in journalism from people, from readers who say you shouldn't name him because that's what he wants, blah, blah, blah. But I've always thought that was ridiculous. Go ahead. The Bill. reason is, and I happen to know this from contact with other lawyers who were involved in the case, the families right. of the kids and what other, the families do not want, they don't want his name mentioned. So obviously, the prosecutor is avoiding mentioning his name because the families, they're not their clients, but that's the people that they're concerned about. That's what it's all about from what I understand. It doesn't stop the defense lawyers from cross-examining and calling the guy's name every day mm. if they want. But from what I've told, the families have asked and are really, really interested in keeping his name out, and that's why they're calling him the shooter. I see. Okay. I. For By what the way, is worth, uh, Ed's right. Never... ABC has reported that the judge ruled on this issue, and apparently, according to this, the, the shooter Ethan um, it, it indicated that he would take the Fifth Amendment. Yeah, I mean that—that's the ruling. <laughs> he took the fifth. That's the ruling. The judge can't take the fifth for him. He has to do it himself. Okay. All right. Uh, We're—I'm fully committed to uh, concluding the show at the one-hour mark, but I do want to get to a couple of other little amusing uh, let's go for some comic relief this has been a pretty grim story to spend the rest or 15 minutes on so i do want to talk about 
uh, the Oklahoma state Senator who is in, has introduced a bill, maybe we need to have the Florida a bill has been introduced in Florida rule apply to Oklahoma as well, but he's trying to outlaw not only the uh, creation of pornography, but also the consumption of pornography, bad news for teenage boys everywhere from the panhandle to the Texas border. Um, it, this, <laughs> this Senator who has Look at all killer. the grins on these faces. It's- I, just, I just love this guy's name. Senator Dusty Devers. Wow. His real name. Starring Dusty Devers. Dusty Devers. Would like to, he said, would like to, um, would like to ban pornography in the uh, in the state of Oklahoma. Is it because so not if you're married? Reason? I mean, is there a particular reason uh, that he espoused? Is it destroying our youth? Uh, well, he said he said for far too long, civil society has conflated liberty for license. These bills are aimed at strengthening the God instituted bedrock of society yeah. that is the family. A strong, prosperous, and flourishing society depends on places. strong. Families. So this is back. This goes back to, I'm sure, like the the number three topic that evangelical Christians bring up over and over again, which is what they call porn addiction, which is this idea that, you know, once you start looking at pornography, you can't stop. It becomes compulsive. And for certain, shall we say, adolescent uh, males, that may well be the case, but it's not. I, I just want to say that if it passes in Oklahoma, it will be called the it's the not okay state. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep I, your I hands just, to yourself. Only one question. Bill had some comment. I just have a real simple question. How long will it be till this guy, Dusty Beavers, goes to Jim and Tammy Faye Backer? Uh, yeah. Right, and we find out that Harry's been having sex with a squirrel in his, uh, in his backyard. <laughs> I, I completely, I mean, that was my comment. I mean, I would love to have this guy's IP address. Because <laughs> I could almost guarantee that oh, it's filled with porn. He's been watching. He's been watching the, uh, the the University of Wisconsin Chancellor and his wife's vegan cooking um, right, videos. Right. So. Right. Well, so, I know the fact that and married couples are exempt. Married oh, couples they are? Okay. And they can text each other. It's all good. Pictures of breasts and buttocks, all the things. Ed? All I know is the fact is that, you know, people forget back in the 50s and the 60s, guys used to buy all the National Geographic magazines. Mm-hmm. They used to get all the series of Roebuck bra brand models. Remember, on Sunday, on Sunday newspapers in Detroit, all the papers had women's bosoms and bras and panties. <laughs> Come on. The Hudson's ads. Yeah, come on. The ads. We, know, we know those ads from junior high. <laughs> a friend of mine uh, came across a cache of uh, 50s era paperback novels that were pornographic. And all of them had this incredibly high minded um, like thesis statement at the beginning of chapter one, like, a look at the uh, integral at the uh, intimate nature of marriage is strengthening. So it was to get around the old uh, redeeming social value thing, which was it was <laughs> hilarious. But there were sociology experiments. They yeah, were- exactly. There were sociology experiments. So anyway, so I all you were all you were looking at in school, if you had them, in fact, was I'm looking at the woman's assets. Do I purchase them? <laughs> 
Well, Dusty Devers, I think I think to, um, Steve is absolutely correct. I'm looking. I wish I could show you guys this picture that's on the uh, the website that I'm. He's uh, he's a very distinguished gentleman who's uh, got a nice little crew cut. Mm. He's very he's salt and pepper beard and clear Warby Parker um, style uh, spectacles, not unlike my own. And I believe that Dusty Devers. Uh, I believe Dusty Devers has gone there, as we like to say. So, <laughs> anyway, all right. Can we talk about the Lions? I mean, this is I an epochal era in Michigan football. I mean, first we have the University of getting its uh, national <laughs> title, uh, swiftly followed by the Lions. You know, potentially potential Super Bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, potentially going to the Super Bowl. Who wants? I mean, I Steve, I'm sure has a very well-founded opinion on this. Does anybody else? We're going to go to him, but does anybody else want to talk about the Lions? We do have a video, by the way, too. So, <laughs> oh, video of inspiration. Oh, right. Ready? You're built for this. You're built for this, man. And look what you guys did. You went out there, and the what? It's another high team that we knocked off. It's the next high team that you knock off. You know how hard it is to win this league in the playoffs yes, do you understand what you're doing right now what we're capable of that's two all right that's two we got two to go with a bye in the middle i love Where's that Brinkman when we need him yeah <laughs> that is a football coach i also like the way they bleeped out the profanity i assume uh alan you took this from the lion's social yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah like ooh, boy, we have no idea what he said here but anyway so anyone Open, open for some good news. There's a still a possibility that Ben Johnson will not be offered a coaching job. Okay. And he may be staying with you uh, with the Lions. No. Oh, that'd be okay. wonderful. Well, there you go. I Joel? just say, oh, Char- go ahead, Alan. <laughs> Charles Barkley, uh, the other night on his show, King Charles, <clears throat> was, was gushing and saying, I have a man crush on Dan Campbell. I love the Lions. I am rooting for the Lions. It's, it's kind of scary that, you know, people are now saying the Lions, they're the America's team. I don't want them to be America's team because people end up hating America's team. Well, very quickly, uh, Alan, they did a graph of, of viewership of the Lions. The Lions control more states and viewership than any other uh, team playing this year in the NFL. Wow. When games are on. They own more states viewership. Long overdue. Yes. Yeah, it's a really interesting game. Great game. I mean, you know, as a lifelong fan, I'm numb. I don't know exactly how to respond to some of this. I don't know what to do with myself. I've never had a game in January that mattered. Right? Arizona. In January with the Lions. So yeah. I'm somewhat overwhelmed. I'm, I'm felling. Felling, I think is the problem. Felling. Is that it, Steve? Felling. 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 Why do I'm I have feeling. to tell you what Cavell- how to pronounce Felling? I'm not here to correct it. But that's what I'm feeling. I know somewhere in heaven my dad's feeling the same thing. And yeah, they got a shot, man. They got it's it's a one game elimination. They're playing great ball. They don't turn the ball over. They maintain possession. They got a great chance of winning. It's like they can't turn it over. If they don't turn it over, I think they're gonna win. Okay. All right, Steve. So I'm the only one in this group that actually saw the Lions win their last championship. I was eight <laughs> years old. My father took me just so you know the difference between now with the hype and all this stuff. Because they were playing at home, the game was blacked out in the Detroit area. My father took me to some friend of his where we could get Channel 6 from Lansing. Tobin wrote somebody in the paper who obviously wasn't alive then thought Bobby Lane was the quarterback. Lane had been injured. Tobin wrote, let us do a very easy victory over the Cleveland Browns, if I'm not mistaken. 
And that's, I was eight years old at the time. So just gives you an idea. Now I'm about to turn 75, how long it's been before we were playing for a championship. That's 1957. That was the year I was born. So there you go. By the way, the score, I think Steve was 59 to 14. Something like that. It was a slaughter. So I was six. But what what you're seeing, when you see Campbell that way, that's the stuff I've been telling you guys about athletics in general and basketball and football in particular. When you see a guy like that, and this is football, which is a very emotional sport because of the collisions and the physicality of it. A guy like that is the kind of coach that can get guys to play as hard as they played and to get them to think about winning, not just going out there and playing. Because everybody's got good players. I'm telling you, there's good players in every team. Team that went 4-13, and they got players that are almost as good as the Lions have. The difference is they're playing, they've got a culture of winning now, and that's the biggest difference. And I, you know, there's no it's way hard to, to do hard to get motivated in professional sports. Exactly. Because you in high school. That's right. And what I'm shocked about, though, is that Joel Sklar, who predict, picked against Michigan every game we ever played all year, is now <laughs> not freaking against the Lions. Mr. Negativity. So maybe <laughs> so we're going to win. This is this is like just thank you. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm thrilled they got here. I hope keep going. But let me just make a point. The last thing they were in the NFC championship game against San Francisco, Monty Clark was the coach. And I think it was Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray and, missed the field goal. And you could see Monty Clark praying. That's always a bad sign when your coach is basically, oh, God, please. And I think when I left or right, I wept. And that was the last time he'd been there. But it, but it, 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 Monty Clark, I just can't believe, you know, it's been that long. It's just wonderful. I mean, it's, uh, it's wonderful. It, it's just great for the city. It's great for all of us, man. I'm happy for them. So we don't we don't want to be. Know, I think that you and Joel ought to get together with my wife, who's a psychologist, and try to work out this thing about. <laughs> <Is she>? I'm <laughs> pessimistic. Optimistic. Opposite attracts. I think you said, so long. I think that one thing Joel said though is true. The way you have to look at this is the same way I looked at it for the last three years with Michigan football. What you have to look at, look where they're at. I mean, if they lose on Saturday, what are you going to say? Oh, the season, what a disaster! I mean, it's been a fantastic run. Only one team's happy at the end of the year. I mean, in any sport nowadays, you don't have bowl games that mean anything. One team's happy. But that doesn't mean if the Lions lose, people should go, oh, shit, what a terrible year. I mean, really? Yeah. You just relax, enjoy it. You hope we win. Yeah. If they don't win, you can compliment them on a great year and get ready for next year. That's how ball players look at it. It yeah. has been a, a, a joyful time here, I think. Right. You know, every, and, the only, is, and the only joyful news in the news, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, probably so. true, you know, in a lot of ways, other than Dusty Devers and discovering that Dusty <laughs> Devers is, uh, is this guy's name. Nobody so. thinks that's no joyful. More porn. <laughs> Black house. All right, Wingle, I think it's time. All right, let me do a uh, commercial first. Thanks, Charles, for letting me use your garden supplies. I'll make sure I put it back in the garage. Man, tending to that lawn is a lot of work. Tell you the truth, Jim, I'm more concerned about keeping this house. What's going on? Well, you know, Sarah lost her job two months ago, right? Yeah. Since we lost that income, the bills have been piling up, and we're so far behind. I don't want to lose the house because of back taxes. I don't know what to do. I understand. The same thing happened to my sister and her husband when he lost his job. Do you know that the Wayne County Treasurer has plans and programs to help people stay in their homes? No, I didn't. Tell me about it. 
Yeah. Go to www.treasure.waynecounty.com and see if you qualify. Says that again. www.treasure.waynecounty.com. Got it. Alrighty, and now it's time for Downtown Detroit, Robert Wells, Smart of the Week. <laughs> Lingle, take down that comment. It's been up there too long. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay, okay. Yeah, it's the traditional uh, end of the show uh, moment when we point out the biggest mucks of the week's news, and I got to tell you. There's never a shortage. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Wait, wait, we're okay. not going to play the video? I, I look forward to that every week. We did play the video. Okay. You missed it. All okay. right. Which one? You're talking about the schmuck of the week? Schmuck of the week. Yeah. <laughs> we just yeah. played it. Yeah. We did. We just- Downtown Detroit. Robert Wells, schmuck of the week. There you go. <laughs> I, I go first. My, my biggest ahead, this week is Tim Scott, who said, I love you, Trump. Right. He stop his speech. Looked to his face right into his eyes and said, I love you. <laughs> that was, that was, that the was. The only time anybody's ever done that to Donald. Uh, that's very <laughs> true. I love you. Exactly. At least not without being paid. And not the person <laughs> yeah, that right. he most wants to hear it from, which is, you know, Ivanka. So anyway, uh, Steve. Well, you, you literally just stole my schmuck of the week for the exact same reason. Although to me, what was the most disgusting thing about it was here. If you look at it as somebody born and raised in the city, you know, here's a brother that's groveling to this fucking asshole who's a complete racist. I mean, and he's groveling to the guy. But you already picked him, so I can't go with him. So I think I got to go. I got to go with Mitch McConnell. At least oh, if yeah. you believe what they summarized as that meeting that they had back there. After all of this, after allowing this guy to not get impeached the second time, too, after all of his different statements, He's still in the back saying, well, the president, it looks like he'll be our nominee. So therefore, we can, we're going to fuck up the border. We're going to, we're not, blah, blah, blah. Mitch McConnell, I, I thought he was kind of dead and gone, but he's my schmuck of the week now that Scott's been taken by it. They, they claim that the border is, uh, is wide open, that it's, it's destroying the country, but they won't move to fix it because they don't want anything good to happen under right. Biden's presence. Right. So, so there Sorry. we go. So, Shonda. If that isn't the, the personification of the old King Solomon, let's cut the baby in half, uh, mother. There you go. So All right. Uh, Bill. Yeah, I, uh, my schmuck of the week goes to a group of uh, <laughs> incredibly insightful Ohio Republicans who overrode um, their own governor, their own party's uh, governor on this trans, uh, uh, which uh, a piece of legislation that um, DeWine vetoed that bans gender, gender affirming surgeries and hormone therapies and restricts mental health care for transgender youth to override the, the veto to to actually pass this legislation. I mean, it's one thing to propose this bullshit, but to actually pass it and then override a Republican veto of it is so disgusting and tells you so much about where these people are. Um, It's hard for me to believe that Ohio has swung this far to the right. Um, I don't think it really has. I think it's been gerrymandered and I think there's, you know, there's been a lot of Koch 
family monkey wrenching, but I was kind of pleasantly surprised that um, DeWine did veto that bill. Um, he's He has been one of those uh, Republican governors that I think his memoir is going to be worth reading because I think he's completely, uh, he's he's not down with the clown, so to speak. But this is, this is going to be interesting to, uh, for them to do well, that. It'll especially. be interesting to see what he ultimately does when Trump becomes the nominee. Yeah, exactly. Barbara. Um, uh, Dusty Devers. You know, <laughs> we, didn't story, we didn't story about him. He just he knocked the Michigan Republicans out of my out of my, my gut. It just it it you know to read all the things that he said. It just is so. It's it's funny and it's scary, but Oklahoma's got to be a much weirder place than I ever imagined in my life. But um, real boys fuck sheep the way Dusty Devers did growing up. <laughs> but you don't take a picture of it. And, yeah, right. <laughs> unless you send it to your wife. Don't they have a senator in Oklahoma called Long Dong Silver? <laughs> Sorry, Christina, you're, you're off the hook this week. <laughs> All right, uh, Joel. <laughs> I got Peter Navarro. Um, he's getting sent for four months. Thank God. What a piece of. Um, mm. yeah. uh, he's a guy that refused to honor the subpoenas, uh, and now he's he going was, to jail. He's going to federal prison. He was asked on the stand for like three questions. We served a subpoena. I mean, I think it was a, like a thirty-second trial. Yeah, and I'm glad he's going uh, going away a little bit. Yeah, him. four months in federal okay. prison. Four months is four months, man. I'm, yeah. Time, time yeah. you never get back. Leavenworth. So, I, I want to yeah, see that dude I'm in glad Leavenworth. There's some accountability for that asshole. <laughs> Langle, what about you? Uh, I'm going to pick Ron DeSantis for dropping out of the race and then wholeheartedly endorsing Trump, which I just thought was so shameful in, in itself. But uh, it, surprised it, it, he didn't offer him his wife. Too, you know. Here's, here's Casey. We don't She's know. We don't know what side deals were made, Nancy. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> I mean, Trump's just shitting on everybody, any mm -hmm. opponent particularly. He's just, you know, and they're all just come crawling back to him, like, "Oh, forgive me for, you know, saying all those awful things about you." It's it's just that the party is so he is denigrating, humiliating that party in so many different levels. So. It's broken. It's broken beyond repair. Yeah. So, okay. That leaves it to me. And I'm glad nobody else took this guy because I figured he'd be snatched up pretty early. I am going with Kwame Kilpatrick and his family. Mm. Um, there's been some really good reporting in the Detroit news in the last week about how Kwame is back to his old, uh, luxury uh, luxury goods consumption tricks um, and is barely uh, he's leased a $90,000 SUV. His wife has uh, signed a contract on an $800,000 house in is it Troy or Novi? Novi. But, Novi. but the okay. Metro Times broke that story about yeah, the house. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, the Metro Times yeah. broke the story about the house, but the yeah. uh, news had the story about the, uh, about the, car. the SUV. Yeah, the car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a certain type of person in the world who simply cannot live without the best of everything. And uh, this is what led uh, Kwame Kilpatrick down the path the first time to away from righteousness. And it's going to do it again. Yeah. And I think a, a side schmuckette has to go to his mother who co-signed this lease and probably raised him to believe that the, that he was worth all this stuff. So. Well, she may her co-signing, she may not be. I think she may have some dementia or something. She does you know? have mental problems. She does have dementia. So yeah. having her sign it, she might have been told to sign it and not knowing what she's signing. 
Well, that makes it even worse. All right. We'll we'll let her off the hook, but that's, you know, that's, that's terrible. So, all right. Okay. We didn't quite get in under an hour, but uh, we'll let Steve get back to his, uh, to his legal work. Uh, And I just want to say thanks to everybody who was here today, whether you tuned in, tuned in, or um, are here sitting on the panel. Thanks to Barbara Ingalls. Thanks to the legal troika of Steve, Bill, and Joel. Thanks to Ed Sarpolis. Thanks to uh, thanks to me, veteran journalist. Uh, Thank you, Nancy Derringer. <laughs> and somebody's going to Google Dusty Deepers, and we leave That's the last word name. to Alan Lingle. Drive home safe. Wrestling name. Go, go Lions. Go Lions. Go go. We're going to win. D W D E T.